It's good to be in the house. It's good that New Year's, ready to ring in the new year tonight while I'm sleeping. <laughs> Y'all can let me know if the world's still standing tomorrow. I'm older, and uh, I've rung in enough of them, so uh, I'll enjoy uh, enjoy a little while, and then I'll I'll hit the bed. But it's going to be good to be off tomorrow, and uh, glad you're here in church. I hope you had a very merry Christmas, and uh, hope you're going to have a happy New Year. And uh, if you got your Bibles, I've been uh, kind of the last. I have had two messages rolling around in my spirit that I've uh, been been. Uh, which one to I bring? And I think I've got the order that the Lord wants to bring these in uh, next Sunday, if the Lord does it. I give a big caution. Marcy said, uh, I said, I need to kind of talk to you. I don't normally talk to her about messages at all. I never do. And I said, I got two things going. And I said, I really feel this is the route that I need to go with things and uh, that God's leading on. And I said, I'm going to run a couple things by you. And, uh, and so uh, anyway... Um, so I began to share, and I said, this is what I'm probably going to share. She said, you always said that, and you won't, you'll, you'll do something. You'll get something new this week and won't preach that. And I said, well, I, I really think this is the route that God's got. I, because I, we've been talking about prayer, and, um, and we've been talking about um, uh, just uh, going to start prayer. And I felt like I had a message that's going to kind of kick that off. And next week, that really, really is timely with the situation in the world. I mean, know that with where we're headed in 2024, but I felt like I wanted to do it on the first, uh, uh, the first, uh, first Sunday in January. But how many know where the world is headed? Uh, it, it's headed to places, and especially in 24, uh, Lisa and Steve and I were talking about it. it. It's not preachers saying this. It's secular people saying uh, that 24, buckle up, it's going to be a ride. And so that, that's just the secular world telling us those sorts of things. If you think 2023 was a ride, they're saying wait for 24, and, and we know that. We've got elections coming. We've got all kinds of things going on. The wars are continuing. Uh, if you haven't watched your news, uh, uh, lots. Uh, we need to pray hard for Ukraine. Uh, it got kicked up another notch the other day, and there's more skirmishing and fighting going on there. There's so much fighting going on in the Middle East. And then uh, if you didn't know, because they don't tell it on our news, uh, many reports of uh, there are, our, our bases are getting attacked left and right over there, left and right. And we are just I don't know what we're doing. We're watching them hit our bases and our people over there. But uh, pray. Pray for our troops that are over there. The, the, we're getting uh, missiles lobbed into the Red Sea. Uh, many ships over there. There's a lot of danger over there. Israel's at war. Uh, we need a lot of prayer going up uh, for, for a lot of things. Our border is wide open and 8 million and more coming in every year. And so our world is changing rapidly and fast. And we need to, we need to be in prayer. And every day, new things are happening that, that cause us to say human wisdom cannot, we've never been this way before, and human ingenuity and human wisdom is not going to cut it anymore, right? We thought we had certain things figured out, and now we don't know the way left or right or through, and I'm going to tell you what, God has an answer, and His name is Jesus Christ, and He is our wisdom from God, and that's what we're going to talk about. 
next Sunday. Or wisdom from God. Amen? That's just a teaser. If you're not here, you want to watch it. Because he is our wisdom from God. And I'm going to tell you how to find that wisdom that you're going to need in the days ahead to get through. But we're going to back up today. And we've talked a lot about spiritual warfare, right? We've talked about a lot about spiritual warfare in this year. And uh, I think rightfully so. And I want to kind of end the year with talking about the world. And you could kind of say the war of the world uh, against us. And so we want to kind of continue that. And I really feel like this is something that we need today. Uh, so let me pray and let's uh, talk about this uh, important service. Tonight the world will gather in Times Square and all kinds of other places. And so the world has a lot of influence. Uh, uh, next week we'll start out reading about the great where the world ends uh, and, and where that system kind of culminates to the end. It, it, it's called Babylon, and and it's and it's and 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 the smoke of her torment rises up because uh, uh, eventually all the world is being forced to make a decision: God or the world. And so this system is at war against us, and that's what we want to talk about today. So, Father, we thank you, God, for. Uh, everything that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for what you're doing, God, in, in hearts, God, even right now in this altar, God. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us and you never forsake us, God. Thank you that, Lord, you are with us in the day of trouble. Lord, you're with us, God, and you're going to show us uh, the way through, God. Christ is our wisdom, and Lord, we're grateful for that, Lord, and you're going to show us how uh, to find that wisdom that we need, that strength, that righteousness, everything we we need. And Lord, give us the, the grace and the ability, Lord, to uh, choose you in this last hour. And Lord, to, to find our all in all in you, God, and, and not in the things of this world, God. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Change our lives, God. There's people uh, that would be here today, but they're battling sickness. Touch their bodies. Heal them. They may be watching online. Heal their bodies, God. Touch them right now, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, there was a preacher's kid that tells a story, and he's grown, and he uh, preaches now. And uh, when he was young, they lived in a parsonage. And he tells this story about uh, they were, the, the church had decided to do some remodeling of things that were getting uh, in need of repair. And one of the things they had decided to do was they were going to redo all the sidewalks and all the driveway and the concrete. And so the dad came to them and the father said, you will, he got the, the, the three children and he said, you will not carve your name in the sidewalk. And I mean it. He said, you will not vandalize the property and do you understand? And so all of them agreed and they said they understood. About a week later, the, 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 two of the children had the initials SM. SM. And so about a week later, the dad comes, and he is furious. And he pulls back uh, some burlap that's there on the, on the sidewalk, and he looks, and there in the concrete are the initials SM. And he screams to the boy, to the son, I think his name was Samuel, and he said, Samuel, come here! And so he, he, Samuel's coming, he's like, like at a gasp and lost. He knows his dad is angry. He comes, he pulls back, and he says, did you do that? And he said, no, Dad, I promise I didn't do that. He said, it must be my sister. And so he called the sister, and he called the other, and I don't remember her name, we'll just say Sarah. 
And he began to call her and he said, Sarah. And, he, and the brother Sam said, she came with this face of glow. And he said, I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she lied with such a straight face. But she came with such a glow on her face like that of an angel. And she said, no, Dad, I didn't carve that in the sidewalk. It must have been Sam. And he said, I don't know. He was furious. He said, I don't, I don't know how in the world my sister could, could have done such a thing like this to me and done it, lied right there, boldface. And he was convinced that this was her. I mean, there was no way that it was not her. In his mind, 100% she had done the deed because he didn't do it, but dad thought that he did. And so now, fast forward, it's 20 years later, and they're at a Thanksgiving dinner. And the sister Sarah says to Sam, Sam, why don't you just go ahead and confess to what you did those 20 years ago? You know you carved your initials in that sidewalk. And he said he, he was aghast. He said he, it was like ripping a scar off of a wound because all of a sudden now it, it, it had come back. And all of a sudden the brother about spit out his turkey, the other brother, and at the table and began to laugh. And he said, did I not tell y'all that on that time when I came home from college... That I was the one on break and I was there and that's when the, all that was being done. I decided to carve SM into the, into the sidewalk and I'm the one who did it. But the thing is, Sam said, you could have not convinced me. Nothing in this world could not have convinced me that it was not my sister who did it. All those years, you could not have convinced, you could not have told me, you could not have given me a story, you could have not, there was no other possible solution than that she did that. And that's what the world does to us. It convinces us that there is no other solution possible. And it, 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 it confuses us and brings us to such a place that we come to a place where we are so convinced by the world's ways and methods and tactics and solutions and, and, and answers that we are, we are absolutely convinced there is no other way but that way. And you can't convince me in the anywhere else that, 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 that what I'm believing and what I'm hearing and what I'm receiving from the world is not truth. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Because scripture warns us that we have three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are our enemies that we battle every day. The devil will lie and tempt you. The flesh will do this. It says, I want what I want and I want it now. I want dessert and I want it now. I want to gratify this sexual urge and I want it now. I don't want to wait till marriage. I want it now. I, 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 I don't care that I'm going to get in bankruptcy for this thing and get in trouble. I want it now. I'm buying it now. I'll worry about paying for it later. And all these things the world that, that, that the flesh wants and we go after. But here's what the world offers. It offers counterfeit answers. It offers counterfeit answers. And, and it offers a set of answers that just feel natural. They just feel right. We were watching a movie last night. And I can't hardly stand to watch anything anymore. This is supposedly on the good channel. Of, and, and the good thing that you're supposed to be watching. And it's such world and brainwashing. Such a counterfeit to the truth. I'm like, they're Marcy. One thing after another. That's why Cole used to couldn't watch a movie with me. Because I preached through all of it. I 
I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And we turn off most stuff, uh, and you can't even get through it. But uh, these, it, it, the world offers just a set of answers that just feel natural, and nothing else could be right. The world, the flesh, and the devil, devil they work together like branches of the military. Like that, that's how they work. And here's the thing. Maybe you could be good at counting off one, one group of it or the other, but we've got to be good at all three branches, or we're going to get our tanks hit, right? You can't just be good at taking care of the air and then not taking care of the ground. We've got, if these three things and these three forces are working, we've got like a military and like a, a team of military, we've got to be ready to stop all three of them and fight all three so that we're not destroyed. And so God warns us about the world uh, literally almost a hundred more times than he warns us about Satan and about the flesh. Wow. Wow. You know why I think he does that? Because when we're tempted by Satan in the flesh, you usually know it. Okay? You usually know it. You're drawn away by your own lust and enticed. I see it and I want it. I know it's wrong, but I'll deal with this tomorrow. Right? I promise I'll quit tomorrow. Right? But I got to have that bowl of stew now. Forget about the blessing. Just we'll worry about that tomorrow. And, and so, so, so Satan comes. We know it's Satan coming. But the world, we don't know when it's the world, man. It, 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 it's a totally different monster. And so the world is a system of counterfeit answers. And Scripture uses, the reason why you don't know that there's a hundred times more in there, Scripture uses about 20 to 25 different synonyms or metaphors for the world in the Scripture. For instance, Psalms 33. The Bible says here that it talks about uh, the, the king is not saved by a great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. And here's where it talks about the world. This is a metaphor for the world. The war horse is a false hope for salvation and by its great might it cannot rescue that's a metaphor war horses uh, is a false hope for salvation and that's what the world wants to offer you a false hope for salvation put your trust in chariots put your trust in horses some may trust in horses some may trust in chariots but what do we trust in we trust in the name of our God amen And so scripture here is saying the world is going to offer you solutions, all kind of counterfeit solutions. And, and, and uh, if, you're, if you're trusting in that, uh, then uh, if you just trust in this, they say, you'll be fine. It's kind of like on Narnia, you know, come on, come get you some Turkish delight. Come on, come on, come on, it's good. Keep eating it. And, and, and so we're tempted by the world's answers. Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah says this. Here, here is a groan, the groaning of God. It says, All stubborn children, declares the Lord. It says, Who can carry out the... Uh, 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 declares the Lord. Who carry out a plan, but not my plan. And who make an alliance, but not by my spirit. Who go down to Egypt to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh. Therefore, the protection of Pharaoh shall turn to... 
your shame. There's another metaphor for the world. Egypt, going down to Egypt, going to Babylon, going to Rome, going to Assyria. Some may try, going to the, na- becoming like the nations. All those are, are metaphors for the world. These are all warnings about the world. Scripture says don't trust in human ingenuity or the plans or the schemes of man. It says do not follow the idols of the nation because they're false, they're counterfeit. It tells us do not follow this age or the generation. Or Ecclesiastes calls the world under the sun. Uh, Anything under the sun it warns us about. And God is telling us with all these things that are there that He's warning us about, He tells us to be ye holy for I am holy. And He says come out from among these things and be ye separate says God. So God is calling us to be separate. Last week I told of a story that another minister was in college in an evangelistic team in 1975. And just to show you the world, this counterfeit philosophy and idea that begins to weasel its way into society and even into the church. Because listen, in 1975, a minister was in college on an evangelistic team. And they were bringing people to the Lord. And what they were doing when they brought these people to the Lord, they were teaching them how to repent. Or they were telling them, you need to repent. And, and so uh, in that day, uh, the kids, uh, just they, they, they would lead these people to repent of their sins. And these kids would automatically, in 1975, they would automatically begin to, to, to repent of things like this without being coaxed, without being told, this is the things, Wayne, that they begin to repent of. God, forgive me for sleeping with my girlfriend or my boyfriend before, mar- before marriage. Uh, forgive me for having premarital sex. They didn't teach them this. They didn't coax them. They didn't say you need to feel guilty for this. At that time in the society in 1975, these kids knew what was going on and they knew what they were doing was wrong. Fast forward 40 years into that same city. Now this same minister that was back then going and uh, and ministering and evangelizing in the streets now is invited to do a premarital counseling seminar at the church in this town and all the the pastor pulls him aside and begins to tell him hey I need to warn you that all these professing Christian couples that are coming to this are all living together and he was like are you kidding me And he was like really troubled by it. And he's like, I got to say something. I can't just ignore what the scriptures say in the Bible. And he's like, I got to bring this in. And do you know that every couple that was in that church, in that seminar, do you know that every one of them were shocked by what the scripture says? And they became offended. They became affronted. And they became shocked that the scripture says that premarital sex is wrong. That's what had happened from 1975 Till uh, today, today's day and time. Now, what happened? Did they find a new book in the Bible called the Book of Jezebel that said it's okay to do these things? Did they find a new book called the Book of Delilah, or did the world system come in and influence the church to corrupt their thinking to a point where they began to think that this was okay and to become offended by Scripture to the point that all the now that they think premarital sex is okay and they had all 
kind of reasons from the world, counterfeit ideas that excuse them for the way they were living. The world entered and changed the thinking of believers in that time. That's the war. That's the war. It has the power. The world, listen at me, the world system has the power to corrupt your thinking. It is strong. It is powerful. It is so seductive. It is so sensual. It, it messes with our sensory. It, it messes with, our, with, 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 with us to the point. It's, it's that with our emotions, right? If it feels good, do it. Oh, but brother Brad, God is love. He would never judge anybody. Right? Look at what Psalms 115 says, using the nation as the metaphor for the world. It says, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths and they do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. They have noses but do not smell. They have hands but they do not feel. Uh, they have feet but they do not work, walk, and they do do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, God says. So do all who trust in them. God is saying, I know that the world looks big. I know it looks powerful. I know it has all these eyes, ears, nose, mouths, mouths, hands, feet. But they are counterfeit and they are lies. And they will overwhelm you and they will suck you in. And when you begin to make them and do them, all of a sudden you become them. And you become like them. And that's why the Israelites were constantly trying to make a God they could see. They, 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 they wanted to make a visible God. They wanted to make a golden calf and call it Yahweh. They wanted to do all these things because, because God's ways seem to them now because of the world dumb. Right? Well, that's just dumb. That's just old. That's just outdated. That's stupid. And so now the world has brought in their counterfeit. And now that looks right and good. And this is dumb. Right? And there's a whole set of answers that we buy into that seem to make sense today. And the world's answers make sense. Think of the Crusades. Would anybody here think that the Crusades is a good way to evangelize? But they bought into that. They bought into the world's lies and got to a place where they literally put people at the edge of a sword and convert them to Christianity. That's how the world... And thought they were doing good things for God. Or what about the Reformation? After the Reformation, when Catholics and Protestants were killing each other, the world has the ability to shape our minds and our thinking. So look, we said the world is a system of counterfeit answers and it's independent of God. The world is a system of counterfeit answers and it's independent of God. That independent is the key word right there. Listen to what God's heart is in Jeremiah 2. He says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have begun to hew out cisterns. That's the, another metaphor for the world. They've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold 
no water. Jesus comes to them and comes in our uh, 2,000 years ago and says, I'm your God. I am the source of water. I am the fountain of water. If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. But we humans say, ah, we can get better. And we begin to hewn out cisterns because we don't want God. Amen? We don't want His way. And the world's solutions don't necessarily always deny God. Listen, because, but, they are in, but, but they are necessarily independent of God. That was that movie last night. I got so excited that we didn't do a church. There's a cross on the world. I said, finally, there's not a Buddha. They got a cross on the wall. But all of a sudden, they get in there and they don't need the cross. They don't need Jesus. They don't need God. Just believe in yourself. And that was what they told the lady. I said, ah! There it is, and 90% of church people probably will watch it and won't even catch it. Right? Jesus, the world's solutions, they, they don't always deny God, but they're, uh, but they're independent of God. In other words, they don't need God. It's self-reliance. Go, we can, yeah, go to the Bible for the spiritual things, but for the emotional things, you need to see a counselor, right? That's your answer, Right? Come on, that's what the Bible, you know, a Bible can help you for certain areas, but then you need to get, you need to get outside of that and get some source and help uh, otherwise. And folks, sometimes that, we do get places that, but you're coming here first. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen to what Sigmund Freud said. You know what he wanted to call counselors? He wanted to call them, here's, here's what he wanted to call them, secular pastors. You don't think philosophy, you don't think that, 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 that psychologists and universities, for years the world's thinking has shaped and changed our thought life and, 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 and us to where now we believe that and we don't believe. Folks, it is a powerful system, a powerful thinking that enters into our hearts and minds, yet it, it acknowledges God in parts of it, and yet it is independent of God. It wants you to be on your own and, and, and about you and about self. And so the, uh, it, so he said it's pa- he wanted to call them pastors independent of God. He wanted a counseling system without God. Without God. We got an answer for you. The world has an answer for you apart from God. Amen? And so the essence of the world is the kingdom without the king. That's what they're offering you today. The kingdom without the king. That's what the UN's all about. That's what our nations are gathering. If we could just get the nations together. If we could just get things right. If we could just get, get rid of the poverty here. And we could just get the environment right here. And we get, but it's all independent of God, right? Listen, the world system is a counterfeit, is, is, a, world, is a system of counterfeit answers independent of God compellingly attractive. It draws you in. It's attractive, man. It it looks good. It's like a magnetic pull. It's like a gravitational pull towards the nations. We need to have what they have, right? We, come on, if we could just be a little bit like them, we could have these seats full. Right? 
Come on, if we just add a little bit of this into the music, or if we just add a little bit of this, if we just shorten the teaching a little bit and, and give a little bit of pep talks or some skits, if we could just take what maybe Wall Street or Hollywood or this stuff, if we could have pastors with just a little bit more knowledge like CEOs, we could manage our churches better. And so all of a sudden there is this pull to look over to the world and say, man, if we could be like a little bit of that and be a little bit like that, that it begins to be attractive. It begins to draw us in. Near the end of Samuel's life, the children of Israel come to Samson and Sam, uh, to Samuel and they say, we don't want your kids to rule over us, which was a good thing. But where they messed up was they looked over to the world and they said, we want a king. And Samuel says, let me go pray about this. And he comes out and he says, you don't want to do this because if you get a king, he's going to do exactly what he does to the nations. He's going to take 10% of your income or more. He's going to take your sons and daughters and he's going to work them to death. He's going to do this and he's going to do that. And you don't want to do what, what he's going to take your best heads of cattle. He's going to take your best crops. He's going to do all this. And they said, we must have a king rule over us. Then we'll be like the nations. It's an attractiveness to be like the world. An attractiveness to, to be there. God says be holy. God says be different. God says their answers are counterfeit. I brought you through the wilderness. They didn't bring you through the wilderness. I led you on eagle's wings. I brought you through the wilderness. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Next Sunday, you're going to hear it. We are entering into, if we are not already into, a wilderness time. We are entering into a time, and here's what happens in the wilderness. In the wilderness, it is a place where there is no answer answer with the physical eye. You better be tuned into God from here on out because you are not going to, to find a way out of where we're headed into in the natural. The, the God confounds the wisdom of the wise. He takes the, the fools and uh, the foolish things and that's how He brings us through. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to need God to get through in the coming days. You're going to need the wisdom that comes from Christ to get through the difficulties that we're going to face in 2024 and beyond. You're going to need it to to, to, to navigate the scenery and the landscape because you're going to be in a wilderness just like Moses was in a wilderness where every day of your life you need a cloud by day and you need a pillar of fire by night to lead you. See, in America... We want to have it like we want it. We want to have our 401, our retirement. I want to work here for 20 years. I want to do this. I'm going to have 2.5 kids. <laughs> I got a little joke with my friends over here. because <laughs> We got all this life planned out. Let me tell you, you can throw the plans away where we're headed now. It's going to be supernatural help from the Lord. You're going to need to depend on God. And, and because there's no provision that you can say, God brought them to one place and there are three million people and he, they are under Moses' watch and they're going to die if they don't get water. Well, I got news for you. There's no water in the desert. So how in the world, God, am I getting from here to feed three million people? How in the world, how in the world, God, are we going to maneuver these waters? He gets them through that place. He brings them to the next uh, watering hole, and it's bitter. 
And the next day they wake up and there's no food. And the next day they wake up and I'm sure there's marriage spats. And I'm sure there's people dying. And there's all kinds of problems that are going every day of their life. And they had to depend on God. We are headed into a wilderness time. And the church is headed into a wilderness season. And we are going to be need to be led by God. Amen. That's why I've been urging you to get into the book. That's why I've been urging you to get into prayer. That's why I'm urging you to have a personal relationship with God yourself. Amen. So there is this magnetic pull. And God says it was me that brought you through the wilderness. It was me that, that, that brought you and got you through the Red Sea. It was me that fed you. It, it was me that offered you water and gave you water. And, and yet, uh, there's this magnetic gravitational pull constantly towards the nations where they begin to look and say, we need what they have. But look at what Jeremiah 2.25 says. Keep your feet from going unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said it is hopeless, for I have loved foreigners, another metaphor, for for the world and I will go after them there's this pull that we want to look towards Egypt we want to look towards the foreigner we want to look towards the world and here's the deal the world is not ugly always it's sometimes the world is mostly pretty it's attractive you remember the John Lennon song that we probably all know and we probably liked and you shouldn't want to sing it, but here, but, but, but here it is. You remember it? It's all in our head, our tune. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Winsome, pretty. We've all sung it. Except Diane. But it, but it, it is. I mean, it's, it, 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 the song, it catches you. It stays in your... It, you'll be singing it today when you leave here. I hope not. But it stays there. But listen to the words at it. It's like this. He's, he's trying to take a, a worldly perspective without God. Imagine that there was a world like we just died. There's no heaven. There's no hell above us. On, and you know, we just live for today. We just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. We die. And people buy into that and they love it. And they love that idea. And many have bought into that philosophy today and they believe it. Come on, just live for yourself. Live, do all for you. You do you and you put you first. And, and that's the gospel and that's the mantra that we've been singing in songs and by the world through all this time. And folks, we've tried it over and over and over again without success because it's an absolute counterfeit and it's an absolute lie. In fact, Rome tried this. They're the closest people that tried to live this and when it began to fall apart, guess who left it? It wasn't the people who knew God and believed in a heaven or hell. It was the other people fleeing as fast as they could out of there. Charles Dickens. Show you how the just got through Christmas and one of the things, I, I love Charles Dickens and I love the, 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 the Scrooge. The Christmas Carol. But do you know the Scrooge, uh, he's this mean and nasty and ugly man that gets changed. But do you notice that there is no God in Scrooge? 
And do you know that's purposely done because Charles Dickens was not a Christian believer and so he put this into the thinking of the society that you could be saved without God. That's what the world's ideas, that's what the world begins to get us thinking on, implements into our minds. The world, So the world is a system of counterfeit answers to the deepest questions in life, independent of God, compelling and attractive. There was an employee who, who bragged about to his boss. He came home and here's what he said. He came home from a business trip and he said, I stunned them silence with my brilliance. You ever met anybody like that? The problem was the boss had received a call from the place where he had, moved, he had gone to work and they said, don't ever send that person here again. But here's the thing that the boss knew about the guy. The guy was actually a good employee. But the guy grew up in a home where he was an unwanted child and the parents made that known to him every day. And so there was something in this young man that was from there that, that, that he, he wanted this salvation from feeling unworthy. He, he, wanted, he wanted this uh, value in, in his life. And so he's trying, he's believed a lie that he can get it from the world, that he can get his affirmation from, from scoring on the job or from doing this or from doing that or from these ten steps. And he grew up his whole life grasping and clawing and scratching for value, looking for significance looking for salvation from feeling worthless and insignificant trying to solve the problem himself because the world is a system of counterfeit answers to the deepest questions of life independent of God compellingly attractive that promises salvation the world tells you I will satisfy the deepest need in your life I'll save you from heartbreak. I'll save you from loneliness. I'll save you from hurt. I'll save you from woundedness. I'll satisfy the deepest place and finally give you peace. I'll give you the peace you've all. It offers salvation. It offers salvation without God. The world wants security. It offers you security. It says align with the nations. Come into the UN. We'll give you security. Put down your weapons. Put down your guns. We will be your security. Just go the world's way and come our way and we'll look out for you. That's what Israel always did. They got backed into a corner. They began to forget God. And what did they do? They looked to Egypt or some mighty nation and they said, come align with us and we'll have your back. We'll look out for you and you'll be okay. And they began to say, okay, we'll come along. And that's what we buy into as well. Well, I want security. I want security. I'm so scared. I'm going to lose. I'm not going to have enough money in life. I'm not going to have enough money in life. Rather than trust God, what do we do? We turn to the world and say, if we could get enough education, if we could get this, if we could get our PhD, if we could get a better job, and we work half our life striving and striving and striving and striving, and the world says, just do this, climb one more ladder, and I promise you, you'll have peace. It offers us salvation. Without God. The world is a kingdom without a king, but it, it is always salvation without a savior. And the essence of the world is the kingdom without the king and salvation without the, sage, the, the savior. And the greatest battlefield of our spiritual warfare is always found in our greatest longings. 
It's the place where we say, I will take this shortcut to get to that. Let me give you for instance, what was Abraham and Sarah's salvation? A child. Right? If we could just have a child. And they followed the world's advice and the world's teaching and the world's techniques. And don't wait. You don't have to wait. And here's the salvation and the peace you can have now. You've got a handmaiden. The answer's simple. It's birds and bees 101. I've got your problem fixed right here. What about Solomon? Solomon wants political stability. What does he do? All of a sudden he says, marry your enemies' wives. Then they'll be on your side and on your team. They're not going to kill their own grandbabies. So he marries enough of them and finally they take him away from God. We as believers get affected by the world all around us. We want romance. And our spouse isn't giving us. So what does the world say? Drop her. Divorce her. It wasn't really love anyway. It wasn't really biblical. Right? Come on, I've heard it all in counseling. I get all the excuses and the reasons from the world. And trust me, they believe it all over this. And 90% of the times they go do it. Even when you tell them this. You want success in business. That's your salvation. You need that success. You need that success. So you court cut corners without trusting God. Shave a little bit off here. Cheat a little bit here. It's okay. Everybody does it. Right? And so we go down to the world. Buy a cheaper product even though your conscience and God says you ought to be continuing to build with this. You know it's a lie. You know it's counterfeit. But you continue to you move away from this. You move into that. And before long you believe the counterfeit and you got all kind of reasons why this is dumb. We want success, we cut corners. Kids would be, we want our kids to be wonderful. Well, we got to get them signed up for ball. We got to get them doing this. We got to get them to ballet. We got to get them doing all this at the expense of church, at the expense of spirituality, at the expense of what God says we need to be doing. We got them well educated. We got them in all these other things, but they're lost and going to hell. But the world said, right? You can have salvation like Charles Dickens without the world. It's quiet in this Methodist church. The question that we all must ask ourselves is where is our salvation? What are we most tempted to follow uh, the world? Or we are most tempted to follow the world in difficult times. And I bet most of us are tempted to follow the world in difficult times. It's easy when, you're, when everything's good. It's bad when you're laid off. It's good when there's groceries on the table and money in the bank account. It's hard. It's hard to, 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 to not be tempted by the world and the horses and the chariots and all those things when, when, when times are tough, right? Where is your salvation? I close with this. John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, wrote a poem about this, and he called it the inward suffering. 
And in the beginning of the poem, John Newton goes to God and he says, I want to grow in faith. He says, I want to grow in love. I want to grow in care. I want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And then the next three verses of that poem, go home and look it up. The next three verses when he says, I want to grow in faith. I want to grow in love. I want to grow in God. It goes downhill, man, fast. And all of a sudden, he goes into hurricanes, and he goes into storms, and he goes into deserts, and he goes into thirst. And he cries out in that place, and he says, Why, God, I just wanted to grow in love and faith. And here's what the last stanza of the poem comes down to, where God writes to John Newton, and he says these words, These inward trials I employ from pride and self to set thee free, and break your schemes of earthly joy. I love that. God is in the process in 23 and 24 and I think since 20 he is in the process of breaking this world's earthly schemes. All these schemes that we put our trust in. All these things we love. All this money. All this fame. All this fortune that will never bring us to the place where we need to be with God and a lasting comfort and a lasting joy and a lasting salvation. He says these inward trials I employ from pride and self to set thee free and break your schemes of earthly joy that you might find your all in me. What he's saying is the only thing that will give you earthly joy is to find your all in me. Oh, there's a thousand million people tonight. Millions. And it will be disgusting. Because when I turn it on, it's absolutely disgusting. It repulses me now. And they will be naked. And they will be entertaining. And people will be eating it up. The world. Saying, I want to be like that. I want, if I could just be her, if I could just be him, if I could just get enough money, if I could just get all of this. And God's saying, he's just saying, if you pray, God, I want to know you, I want you, I want you. He's saying, I'm going to wreck all that, all that pride in you and all that. I'm going to set you free and I'm going to break the earthly schemes out of you until you find out that I am the real source of life. Like Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Amen. Find your all in me. That's the only thing. David cries. Look at what he cries in Psalms 35. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. And say to my soul, I am your salvation. And that's what I leave you with today. Well, why kind of saying war of the world is because you recognize at the end of this message, I hope, that the world is a battlefield. And we are on a battlefield. And you've got to get to the place where you say, like David, 
David right here. Lord, those who are fighting with me every day of my life, fight against them. Contend with them. Fight against this and say to my soul, you're my salvation. Not any of that. You are my salvation. And that's what I bring us down to a close in 2023 is that I hope at the end of this world with all the world with this glitz and glamour that are stealing and robbing so many away, I pray that Babylon will lose its allure this year and you will find your all in all in 2023 before the clock ticks to 2024 and you'll say, Jesus, I want to find my all and all in you. I want you to be my salvation. The world cannot offer it. You are the king that provides. You are the king that gives us abundance of water. You are my salvation. And this is definitely the last close. Two systems at the end. Two systems. Read it in Revelation 19. Two systems. And you'll have to choose. And that's what it's coming down to now. Is choose. Choose to choose. Which one are you going to choose? Are you going to choose? There's the world and there's God. And that's the systems that are here. And you have to choose which one you're going to choose. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We're going to choose God. God, I choose to find my all and all in you. Father, Lord, as we leave this, this year, Father, God, there's been there's so much mixture in our hearts and lives. I have so much mixture. God, sitting down last night, all I wanted to do, God, work has been so stressful. I got, a, I got work to do right now, God. Uh, just, just the stress last week, immense. Having to work on off days, having to, just this and that. And Lord, all I wanted to do last night was sit down and rest. And God, sadly, I, I turned on that dumb cistern called the television. Looking for life. And God, all I found was death. God, I want to find my all in all in you this year. Oh God, don't let us be mesmerized. Don't let us go to the nations for comfort. Don't let us go to the nations for strength. Don't let us look to the world and all of its pretty glitz and glamour. All of its philosophies, all of its ideas, all of its counsel. And get to a place like Israel where we begin to construct idols and we become like those idols, Lord. And become like the nations. Oh, Father, I know, Lord, the small example of the premarital sex, that's just minuscule. I know there are so many thoughts and philosophies that have gone on in this world year after year after year that pastors have bought into, that people in the pews have bought into. And Father, I pray, God, that you would help us to come out 
Come out of Egypt and let Egypt come out of us and come out of Babylon and let Babylon come out of us, God. Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they determined not to eat the things that were defiled at the king's table. They chose a foretime to say, I'm not going to sit down and eat these delicacies because they're going to take me away from God. They're going to change my thinking and I'm going to become like the rest of Babylon. And so they chose to abstain and God it's time the church in 2024 as we move in God we must come out from among this world and be separate and God we must begin to come back to your word and your wisdom and your way and your truth as foolish as it may sound now because our thinking is so corrupted by the things of this world bring us back to this book back to the word of God back to prayer and as we'll see next week back to where true wisdom is found, true wisdom is given to us from God, and His name is Jesus.